For the past few months, I've been um, coaching my son's flag football team. I have um, three biological children, and we have a foster son right now. My, my biological son is eight years old, and so he's just all about it right now. He's all about sports. And, and it's been so fun to, um, to get to be a part of this kind of phase in his life. And he's been having a blast this year playing flag football with a couple of his friends. And so um, last Saturday, our team was in the championship game. And yeah, thank you. And, uh, and our record going into that game was we were four and two. And the team that we were up against, um, we had split with them. And so the first game of the season, we played them. We beat them by three touchdowns. And then a couple of weeks later, we played them again, and they beat us by one point. And so coming into this game, I just, I knew we were a better team. Like, like it's just true. Like, we, and it, 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 we were the best team in the league. And it was, it's not a cocky statement. Like, we just had a good team. Every kid on the team was good. They all contributed. There was no weak link. And it's just a good little team. And, and so I remember um, last Saturday getting the team together and literally just looking them in the eyes and just said, guys, you're the best team. So go out there and play like it today. And, 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 and so the game starts like this. You know, we coin toss midfield. They win. The, they get possession of the ball. And so they get the ball first. And and they are just driving down the field. And I'm thinking, this is not good. Like, you know, it's not, not how I planned it to go. They get to, the, they get to our end zone, and we stopped them. Four plays in a row. Turnover. They don't score. We get the ball. And then we march the ball down the field. Touchdown. Extra point. And from that point on, we, we did not let up on them. We, we continued to win. I want to show you this picture of what happened of, of the game. You're looking at the champs. Yeah. Guys, it's... It's a big deal, eight to 10-year-old flag football in Mount Juliet, one of the pinnacles of my life so far, just this moment. And, and, and it's, it's really funny, going into that game, I was just kind of thinking about, like, man, what do I, what do I say to these, these boys as they're gearing up for this game? And, and I just felt like they just needed to know, like, you've, you guys have got this. Like, not being cocky, not being prideful, you're the better team. You, you, you have the upper hand. You have what it takes. Just go out there and do it. Like Put the things that you know into practice. And, 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 and it was so fun just watching them execute and win the game. And so, you know, we, we've been in this series for the past three weeks called Unseen, um, where for the past couple of weeks, we've been looking, ironically, um, at, at, at the unseen spiritual world all around us. We kicked off the series by talking about this, this idea that whether we believe it or not or accept it or not, that each one of us has been born into a battle. And then the second week, Aaron got up and, and he started talking about the Elohim, that, that it's not just things that we're up against, but there are actual spiritual powers, real beings that we cannot see. And some of them are in submission and, and live for King Jesus. And then some of them are in rebellion, working against King Jesus. And the same is true on earth as it is in the heavens that God gives each of us a choice. We can rebel against Jesus and go our own way, or we can live under his authority and under his reign and love him and know him. And, and so Aaron really painted the picture of what is actually going on in the unseen world. And then last week, Dave talked about that, that the thing that both sides are competing for, the kingdom of light with Jesus, Yahweh, the saints, what they're competing against and for is, is the, the same thing that the kingdom of darkness is after, and it's our hearts. It's our allegiance. It's, it's us. And so to, to, you, know, you think about the past couple of weeks, and as we've been walking through this series, maybe 
Um, this is the first time you've ever really talked about spiritual warfare. Maybe you're a new Christian. Maybe this is your first time in church. And, and so maybe you've had um, some questions that have come up over the past couple of weeks. Or maybe you've been confused. Maybe as we've been talking through these things, you're going, yeah, I understand this and I believe in it, but I don't know what to do with it. I don't know how to engage in it. And, and the thing that I hope to instill in us today is the, thing, the same thing I was trying to instill in the boys a couple of weeks ago, that in Jesus and with Jesus, you've got it. That even though we are facing a very real enemy that we can't see and there's so much going on around us that we can't see with Jesus, you and I have what it takes to stand strong and to be faithful and to endure. And so today we've been looking at all the players and today what I want us to live with is just this deep confidence deep in our hearts that we are the better team, that we have the upper hand, that in Jesus we have what it takes. I love Ephesians 6, it's where we're going to be this morning, because this passage is all about God preparing us for the battle that we're in. I don't know where I had this idea, but, but growing up, I kind of believed that following Jesus was kind of like an escalator. And here's what I mean by that. You know, I, I knew that baptism, giving my life to Jesus was important, believing in him. And I kind of believed that, man, go under the water, give your life to Jesus. And then it's just kind of like you step on an escalator and just up you go, like... No work, no effort. It's just all up and to heaven. There's no, and, and I don't even know where I got that. But the more that I've, I've followed Jesus, the more that I've walked with people, the more that I'm realizing that, that that is the furthest from what following Jesus is like. It's not this escalator theology. The life of Jesus is a battle. And when you give your life to Jesus, when you step into his family, what happens is that he gives us everything we need to fight the battle that we've been in all along and to fight it well. That he gives us what we need to overcome and to win. You see, what Ephesians 6 is trying to help us understand is that, that he wants to prepare us and we also have a part to play. That we are to put into practice the things that he's preparing us to do. And so this morning, we're gonna just kind of look at five things that Paul instructs the church at Ephesus and that he instructs us as people who are trying to follow Jesus in this life. Five things that our brother Paul instructs us to do. He tells us to be strong. He tells us to put on, to stand firm, to take up, and to pray. So we're gonna just walk through these this, this morning. So the first thing that Paul says is be strong. Listen to Ephesians chapter six, verse 10. It says, finally be strong in the Lord and in your own power. Is that what it says? Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. You see, I think sometimes we read passages like this and we, and we have this deep desire to, to live for God and, 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 and we have this just kind of swelling of, of, of energy and excitement and Holy Spirit in us and, 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 we, and, we, and we have every intention of living for God, but the problem is that we try to do it in our own strength and our own will. I love what Paul says here. He says, be strong in the Lord in his mighty power. He's wanting us to understand that, that, that this is not something we primarily do on our own strength. It's drawing from Jesus. 
And it's not just waking up in the morning and, and having some time with God. And it's not just praying a prayer. It's, it's a constant drawing from him. He says that the Holy Spirit inside of us is like a, a stream of living water, which means that we need him over and over and over and over again. That The strength that God gives is not a deposit in the morning for the whole day. It, he teaches us moment by moment. Keep coming to him. Depend on him. Let his strength come through for us moment by moment by moment. I really want to encourage us this week to, even if you choose not to engage in the fast, which I encourage you to do, to at least in, to engage in the guide. There's a guide each day, day one, two, and three, and our focus is looking at the Holy Spirit. The simple, practical work of what the Holy Spirit does in the life of a believer. You know, with the Holy Spirit, it's this reminder that, that we have the presence of God with us constantly to draw from. Paul keeps going. He says, be strong in the Lord. This is something that we draw from him moment by moment. The second thing he says is put on. He says this in verse 11. So put on the full armor of God so you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you've done everything, to stand. And a couple things here. Did you notice that twice Paul encourages us to put on the full armor of God? The full armor. And Maybe you've read this before. Maybe you've studied this. Maybe you have a poster on your wall of this passage of scripture. But you go, man, what is the armor of God that he's talking about? And I'm sure we will circle back to this passage over and over again as a church family, as the decades, as the decades go on. But for this morning, I just really felt like the Lord was emphasizing for us to understand the armor of God is Jesus. It's his character. It's joining Jesus and his work in this world. You see, the first step to putting on the armor of God is actually to be united with Jesus. It's to declare to the powers and principalities that we can't see. It's to declare to our family and friends, and it's to declare to Jesus himself through baptism that we want to be identified with him. That you want to be his that you want to be associated with him, that, that you want him, that you love him, that you believe in him, you want to follow him in baptism. This beautiful exchange happens. This is what Paul writes in Galatians chapter 3. He says, for all of you who are baptized into Christ Jesus have clothed yourselves with Christ. See, when we express our desire to be identified with Jesus through baptism, this amazing exchange happens. We're given his presence, we're reconciled back to the Father. We are forgiven of all of our sins. We are covered by Jesus. And what Paul is getting at here, he says, man, while, while putting on the full armor of God, you got to understand that, that in order to, to put on the armor, to order to be covered in Christ, you got to give your life to Christ. you got to step into life with Christ. you got to believe in Christ. But... It's not just this one-time deal that you do. It's not stepping on the escalator and the rest of life, just taking it easy. It's something we do each day. It's choosing each day to be clothed in Christ. Actively 
putting into practice the things that he's putting before us. And so we're going to talk about the, the full armor of God. And, and I want us to notice this because it's so interesting. This week, the Lord was really highlighting that, that he says the full armor twice. You know, the reality is that, that the struggle, this is our struggle. It's not against flesh and blood. It's against the rulers and the authorities. And, and if we were to go around the room and to take a poll of all the things that we're struggling with, I wonder all the things that would come to the surface. Depression and anger and greed and selfishness and problems in your marriage and problems in your family and problems with your parents and problems in your neighbors and problems with your boss. And I go, I wonder how many of us, if we look at our life, if we put all the things on the table, all the different struggles that we're going through. And I love what Paul says. He says, in the midst of the struggle, put on the full armor of God. And this is not to, to undermine or diminish any of our struggles. I hope you hear me saying this. I hope you hear the, this with the compassionate heart that I'm trying to share it with. That I wonder if, if there are some of us here today, if we're being really honest, we're struggling not because the of the struggles in front of us. We're really struggling because we have neglected to put on the full armor of God. We've neglected to, to put on the fullness of what he desires for us to put on. And so today, as we, we're going to walk through these, hopefully really quickly, I want you to pay attention. Are there places in your life where, where you're vulnerable because you haven't chosen to put on a specific piece of armor? And we don't walk through this so that we feel shame or so we feel condemnation. We walk through this. We talk through this as brothers and sisters so that we can choose to be covered. Last thing before we, we move on to the next, the next piece, you know, Paul mentions, he says, so that you stand your ground for when the day of trouble, the day of evil comes. You know, when you, when you read through the scriptures, what you discover is that even in Jesus spoke into this, that for those of us who are followers of Jesus, Life is actually going to become more difficult for us leading up to the time that Christ returns. And if we believe something differently, then we are setting ourselves up to be deceived. But the Bible actually teaches that for those of us who are actually trying to follow Jesus, that, that life, that pressure, that, that the, the world around us, that people themselves, things are going to become more intense and more difficult for us. And I don't tell us that to make us afraid. I tell us that so that we're not unexpected by it. When we come into the future and we're expecting everything to, to, to go easy and to go light, man, that, that really brings um, confusion to our theology. But when we understand that Jesus actually told us life is going to get harder, what it does is it reminds us how serious it is for us to be clothed in the armor of God, that we, we can't afford to just be haphazard with this. Man, we can't afford to, to, to be lackadaisical about this, that the Lord through Paul wants us to be prepared and it's our job to put into practice things that he's preparing us for. And so this is what he says in verse 14. He says, stand firm. Verse 14, stand firm then. With the belt of truth, buckle around your waist. With the breastplate of righteousness in place. And with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. You know, I love that. Paul doesn't say, hey, go chase down the enemy. He doesn't say, hey, go looking for Satan, go looking for the powers and principalities. No, what he says is that when the powers and the principalities and when the, the enemy himself comes after us, he says, stand firm. 
Hold your ground. In other words, don't let what you know about God or yourself go when the enemy comes. You know, for for some of us, the enemy might come at us like he did with Job. You go through and you read the book of Job, and what you realize is that, man, that the enemy took his, his loved ones, that the enemy took his career, that the enemy took his stuff, the enemy took his health. And some of us, man, this might be the story, this might be what you're experiencing right now, that, that what the enemy is doing is taking away some of those most valuable things. Others, and it's what Dave talked about last week, the way that the enemy comes at us is, is through trying to sow distrust in us. You ever noticed how in moments of temptation or moments where, man, you feel far from God, it's so often you start to forget who God is and who you are? And Paul says, when the enemy comes, don't let go of the ground that's already been won. Don't let go of what you know to be true about God. Don't let, true, don't let go of the faithfulness of God. You've, you've walked through life. You've seen God come through for you over and over and over again. Right, Nancy? And, it's, and it's, it's not usually weeks and months in advance. It's usually at the right time. It's usually at the moment where, where we need deliverance, where we need him to come through. And God's teaching us perseverance. And he's trying to teach us to, to, to not forget, to not let go of the faithfulness that you know to be true about God and his heart for you and his love for you and his provision for you and his protection for you. And, and, and when the enemy comes, so often he wants us to forget who we are and who God is. And what Paul says is stand firm. Do not give up the ground. Don't entertain accusations. Don't believe the lies. Stand firm. And he says you do this by a couple of ways. He says by putting on the belt of truth. I've really been asking God, God, how do I talk through this? I love truth. It's probably because I was such a liar as a kid. I love truth. I could talk about truth for, for hours. The Holy Spirit, the spirit of truth. Jesus, I'm the way and the truth and the life. And I've been asking God, how do you want me to talk about the belt of truth this morning? And this is what you're just kind of rising in my heart, that, that for us to be on our guard, that everything that we read, every book that, that comes out, every podcast that we listen to, you need to know that it isn't truth. Just because the name of Jesus is on it or just because it's on the theology category at Barnes and Nobles, it doesn't mean that that it's true. And so what this means is it causes us to walk with discernment and in humility and in community and in accountability. Jesus warns us in Matthew 24 that the enemy is going to do everything he can to deceive us. I love what Paul writes in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 2. He says to this church planner, to, to Timothy, his, the guy that he'd been pouring into and investing in, discipling Timothy, leading this church in Ephesus. And Paul tells him, watch your life and your doctrine closely, Timothy. For if you persevere in them, you will save both yourself and your hearers. Guys, I encourage us. Man, every, every time a, a new book comes out or a new podcast, man, don't just take it all the way into your heart as truth. Man, keep that thing in the light. Let others speak into it. 
What you believe about God, your, your doctrine, what you believe to be true is an incredibly important deal. It's a big deal. He says, put on the belt of truth. Be people who, who know Jesus, who know his voice, who know the scriptures. Be people of truth. And what this means very practically, in addition to having right theology that we let others speak into, is that we are people of truth. It means we don't lie. We don't tell white lies. We don't tolerate lies. We're people of truth. It means it's not okay to, to, to lie to your roommate or to lie to your spouse, lie to your parents. We're people of truth. Be a trustworthy person. He says, put on the belt of truth every morning. Man, remind yourself that, that, that it's your job to, to, to accurately discern truth. Put on the belt of truth. He says, put on the breastplate of righteousness. And I love this because what he's wanting us to understand is that this is something that has been accomplished for us. That second song that we sang, that we, sang, that we will stand in front of King Jesus one day and, and the thing that, will, 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 that, that he is going to look at us the thing that he will welcome us into his internal inheritance with the rest of the saints. It's not if we read through the Bible every year. And it's not if we, if we spent two hours praying every day. And it's not how generous we were on birthday Sunday. It's, it's, man, do you trust in Jesus? Have you given your life actually following him? Because if you do, then, then your righteousness his righteousness, I mean, is all over you. You're right standing before God. What Christ accomplished on the cross. He paid for your sins. He paid for the debt. You are right with God because of Jesus. And he says, be people of truth. Be people who own your righteousness. But righteousness also has this other um, aspect to it. The same word, dikaiosune in Greek, it means righteousness, but it also means justice. And what this means is that as we receive the right standing with God, as we live from this place of, of being right with God, it plays out in our very real lives, how we live. What you see in the scriptures is that God's heart is that no one is taken advantage of. That no one is preyed upon, either physically or spiritually. God's heart is that, is that there's an absence of violence and that the vulnerable are cared for. And I go, man, may we be people of justice. May we be people who, who, who don't just receive righteousness from God, but who reflect that same justice back to him. May we care for the foreigner and the poor and the widow. May we care for the unborn and the orphan and overlooked. And may we do it not just with our words, but with our lives. I love what our brother John says in 1 John chapter 3, verse 18. He says, Let's not, let us not love with speech and in words, but in action. May we be people who reflect the, the righteousness, the justice of God back in the world as we care about the things that God cares about. And he says, and may your feet be fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. 
that if you're in Christ, if you've followed Jesus, if you've given your life to him, that you are at peace with God. You're not at war with God. There's no tension with God. You're at peace. You're his son. You're his daughter. Then God has imparted that peace into your heart, into your life. And he says, may you be ready, just like with truth, just like with righteousness, may you be ready to share the gospel that brings peace. May we be eager as God's people to share with our friends and our family and our neighbors that don't know Jesus, the Jesus who has brought peace. He says, stand firm. And then, and then he says this, he says, and take up. Verse 16, he says, in addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. I think this is so important. You know, I love that he says that the shield of faith, that it's going to, to, to deflect all of the devil's arrows, not just some. That when you and I have faith, faith in what? Man, when we have faith in the promises of God. We have faith in the, in the presence of God with us. We have faith in the purposes of God. He says, every time the enemy, no matter how he comes after you, when you have this faith, it's like a shield around your life. And nothing gets through. When you're a person that actively walks in faith, no matter how things seem to be going around you, you're a person that knows and clings to the presence of God with you and the promises of God in the past and the promises of God that will be fulfilled in the future. He says, take up the shield of faith. Take up the helmet of salvation. So much of us walking as God's people is believing it here. Most certainly our hearts have to be God's, but our minds do as well. And so we learn to let the scriptures speak what is truth. Informing our mind, you are saved, you are forgiven, you are loved. You know that because Christ died for you. He says, take up the, the helmet of salvation, and I love this. And he says, take up the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. The word of God. I love that, that Peter asks, or Peter says this to Jesus in John chapter 6. He says, Jesus, you have the words of eternal life. I go, for us to be people who, who know the scriptures, do you know that so much of the New Testament, when Paul is talking, and when Peter is talking, and when James are talking, Jesus is talking, so much of what the New Testament is, is just simply quoting the Old Testament? They knew it. And they didn't have a Bible that they were walking around speaking. They, it was in their heart. And they could use it. They could use the word of God to encourage brothers and sisters. Think about the things that we devote our, ourselves to memorizing. How many of us could just quote Parks and Rec episodes or The Office or whatever it is? Like, how many of us, man, we just, we know all this useless, pointless stuff that's funny to talk about and quote. I go, man, but you think about when you get the word of God in your heart, how helpful. It's the words of eternal life that build up, that encourage, that call out, call us to more. And I love this. He says, the word of God is like a sword in your hands. For us to be people who know the word, who quote the word. It's one of my favorite things that we're doing in house church this year, reading through the scriptures together every day, just one chapter a day, putting the word of God in our hearts. And the last thing that Paul says is, and pray. 
pray. Verse 18. He says to pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Pray also for me that whenever I speak, words may be given to me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. The word of the Lord from Ephesians 6. He says, pray in the spirit. I love he starts in, in, in verse 10. He says, be strong in the Lord. And he says, and pray in the spirit. He says, this is not something you do on your own. You can't. You can't muster up enough strength. You don't have enough discipline. It's something that you and I, we have to be dependent upon Jesus. And he is so willing to come through for us over and over and over again. He says, so pray. And it's so tangible. I love what Paul says to pray into. He says, pray for God's people all over the world. I want to encourage you. I don't know what your prayer life looks like. I encourage you to, to spend time praying for other people in our church family, generally or specifically, both. Regularly play, pray for people in our church family. If you go, man, I don't know anybody in our church family. Your assignment is to meet somebody new today before you leave and to pray for them this week. Seriously, that, that prayer, I don't know if you're like me, but so often when I pray, man, I can just spend all the prayer time on me. I've got so much stuff in my life, <laughs> so many struggles, so many fears, so many insecurities, so many worries. I could just be in God's presence constantly, my laundry list of things. And he says, no, don't just pray for your things. It's good to pray for your heart and your struggles, man, but pray for God's people. Do you realize that part of being armed for this battle, part of us standing, part of us not having any chinks in our armor is... Praying for God's people. And I encourage you, man, if, if you've been praying for God's people, maybe it's someone specifically in our church family, and you're not seeing fruit yet, keep praying. Keep praying for their hearts. Don't give up just because you're not seeing fruit. The Lord is trying to teach you to persevere in prayer. The biblical understanding of what happens when, when you're not getting an answer, Jesus says, keep knocking. He's trying to develop perseverance in us. If you really want something, keep asking God for it. Pray for God's people. I love that he says, pray. Second thing I encourage you to pray for, pray for God's people. Pray that as God's people, we would fearlessly proclaim the gospel. I wonder how many of us, we are actually praying that in our prayer life. God, help ethos to be people. Help the church in Nashville. Help people all over the world to fearlessly proclaim the gospel. And I wonder if, if one of the reasons that we're so timid and we're so walking on eggshells with our neighbors and our friends and our family is because we're not asking God to unleash a fierceness in us, to fearlessly proclaim the gospel. Let's start praying that God would help us to fearlessly proclaim the gospel. And the third thing that I think Paul models here so beautifully, Paul, who wrote 13 books, letters in the New Testament, Paul, who started so many churches, he says, and pray for me. Do you realize that, that part of being equipped, part of what it means to endure in this life is to actually ask other people to pray for you? That it's possible to be equipped with truth and righteousness and your feet are ready and to have the helmet on and that sword and, and the shield. And you're to be someone who asks for help because you need help. And God does something when, when we in humility come to a brother and sister and say, I just need you to pray. 
So here's what we're going to do. Just a minute, we're going to take communion. We're going to have a time of, of responding. But I want you to hear this. Church family, in Jesus, this unseen spiritual battle that we're in, you've got this. You're more equipped. You've got what you need. You're the better team. And this week, as we draw on God's spirit and on his power, that we put into practice the things that he's put before us. And so I'm going to invite us to respond here in a couple of ways. I invite you to, th- this week, if, um, if, if you want to get baptized, man, do that. Don't let anything stand in your way. You can fill out one of the cards and one of the seats and drop them in one of the white mailboxes, or you can go online, ethoschurch.org forward slash baptism. Let us celebrate you on Wednesday night. Take this step in baptism. For some of you, I want to encourage you as we take communion, if you take the bread and the cup, to really be honest and go, is there any place in the armor that you need to pick up or pick back up? And the third thing I want to invite us to do is, is to pray for each other. As we take the bread, as we take the cup, as we celebrate and we thank Jesus for what he's done, man, may this be a time of interceding for each other. So circle your chairs up and, and share what's actually going on in your heart. Share where you actually need God's help. Don't just share something random. Share the things that's actually going on. And God will meet us here in this place. Let me pray for us and we'll take communion. God, thank you for this morning. Thanks for these people. Lord, if I said anything that was not consistent with you and your heart, let it be forgotten. And God, let the things that are from you bear so much fruit. God, protect us as we take the bread and drink this cup. Would you open our eyes to see you, to experience you freshly, your grace, your love? And God, as we're really searching our hearts, would you help us to be honest? Help us not to leave here feeling condemned, but, but really empowered in deep confidence. So we love you. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. I invite you to stand, to go and get communion on the communion table. Circle your chairs up. If you want to receive prayer, Hey, it's not a posture of weakness. Come and pray for us. We'd love to meet you at the respond banner and pray over you however we can help. Love you all.